Welcome to the Social Lights podcast with Kate Vandervoort, where I interview changemakers and innovators on how they connect with their tribe on social media. Brought to you by Social Mediology. Welcome everyone to the Social Lights podcast. I am here today with Ryan Elson and Ryan is the founder of Tribe, which is a an amazing social inclusion program he's going to talk to us a bit more about. It's more a community. He's also the founder of EmployMeet, which is an alternative to some of the traditional employment services that are out there. And he's just launching an app called the Guardian app, which I'm really keen to explore a bit further too. So welcome, Ryan. It is great to have you here on the podcast. Thanks very much for having me, Kate. I appreciate it. So Ryan, tell me, what is it that lights you up? What inspires you to get out of bed in the morning? Making positive change, I think. And what I mean by that, which sounds a bit, oh, lovely and fairy, but I have a real issue, Kate, with seeing systems that we as a society create that obviously don't work. And what we continue to do them anyway, because that's the way it's always been done, which is one of my least favourite phrases in the world. And so... I don't know, I have a bit of an eye for broken systems and I do my best to go in and adjust them with not masses of money, not asking for you know millions of dollars to change something, but with a bit of grunt and, and getting groups of people to come along and sort of agree with it and get it and, and you know do it ourselves, not rely on government for everything. Fantastic. I'm really looking forward to exploring more about what that means on a day-to-day basis for you. But before we get to there, tell us a little bit about your journey up until now, up until the three kind of main projects that you're working on at the moment, tell us a bit about your background. Well, you get to here for a fair while about that. It's been a funny old upbringing, but here I am. That's all good. Look, I had an interesting childhood with losing parents early. I had a few people back me. My parents were gone by the time I was nine, and I had a few people back me, which is one of the reasons I think I, I have a real affinity with trying to give people a crack that are in a bad spot. I was a cop for 10 years in Tasmania after leaving school then took the plunge suddenly and left and moved to sunny Queensland because I thought palm trees would be cool and fell into a real estate, which is something I never, ever considered. Did that as my own business. Well, for 15 years I did it and for 11 or and a bit of them I did it off my own back. My own business mostly as a commercial real estate agent, so shod, sheds, sheds and shops and all that sort of business. Then, unfortunately, I had a, a breakup with my wife at the time, which was awful. They're never fun and nothing good about them ever. And then my son got diagnosed with um, bone cancer, which was about as bad as you get. Uh, In fact, it's his one-year anniversary and two days of his death. So we lost him. We didn't win. But those things, you know, the old, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger sort of fits with me. You know, I really resonate with that. I have looked at these situations that have come across in life and, you know, everyone's got their own journey. Everyone's got their thing. And I don't, I want to make it better. I don't want to be a victim. I don't want to roll around in my misery. I want to get those difficulties, put them all together in a little bag of tools and go and sort things out. So Tribe is initially where that came from. Uh, Tribe Social Belonging, it's called. And it's, it's all about inclusion in our community, giving connections to people that have, for whatever reason, become lonely and isolated, which is a pretty decent problem at the moment. I started doing that because when I got divorced, separated, and when Jake got sick, I just had so many people to help me. I'm just the luckiest bloke. I could have rung 20 people at 3 o'clock in the morning and they would have come around. I could have grabbed anyone for a coffee or a chat any time. And I started getting really wound up about, well, what if you don't have that? What if you're sitting there living by yourself, dealing with 
it, well, living by yourself for a while and then, then dealing with a sick kid, a very sick kid, and all the other things that come with it. And if you were doing that on your own, I think it would do your head in. So we created Tribe. What an amazing journey to there. And I think most, firstly, Queensland's incredibly lucky to have you. And I certainly feel privileged to have met you and become aware of the amazing work that you're doing. But, you know, you say stuff happens to everybody and it does, but not everybody does something with that. And it's a beautiful entry into the work that you're doing that it's, you know, it wasn't that you didn't have that and you wanted to fill a need. It was the opposite. You had that support and that care and connection around you and you wanted to make that available for others. I think that's truly amazing. Thank, no, thank you. That's lovely. Thank you. But like, there's, a, there's this thing I say to, to people, I do a little bit of sort of coaching or whatever. And one of the first questions I always ask is, who can you control? And everyone goes, me. And that's the truth. There's nothing else. There's no one else you can no one's responsible for your behaviour. No one's responsible for your the way you're feeling. Nothing anyone has done to you makes, you know, unless you give them that power, it's it's up to you what you do with it. I remember a, a really difficult time when um, I'd broken up with my, my ex previous to our final breakup and, and I was sitting there and I was so upset and I thought I was crying on the floor of the shed I was living in at the time and I just thought to myself, don't hate because it's so easy to slip into that. And she wasn't to blame at all. Well, we both had problems we'd done. And, and, but people tend to sit there and look at someone else and go, it's your fault, it's your fault. There's no future in that. It doesn't make any difference. And what it's about is what you can do. And I came out of that experience with two big things that really struck me. And one is that I forgot to be nice. And the other one really is that I sweated the small stuff. And they're two stupid things. And that destroyed a, a once beautiful relationship. And I regret that. And but I'm not just going to pretend it didn't happen. It did happen. I don't ever want it to happen again. And I'm going to learn from that. And that's, that's the way I try and treat the way life is, I guess. Hmm. And so tell us more about Tribe and about what that looks like on a day-to-day basis. You know, what kind of events do you hold and how do you connect with people? Look, I'm a bit of a kiss theory sort of guy. I keep it simple, stupid. So I don't like to overcomplicate things too much. I Look, I love a party. I always have. I was Chamber of Commerce president for nearly four years in Redcliffe. And one of the things we had, luckily, we were very fortunate to have something called a business mingle. And what that was, was an event at a hotel where everyone got together and had a few drinks and some nibblets and had a chat. It was about networking for business. Now, what was interesting for me, is, well, more, firstly, more things came out of that than came out of any other thing that we did. In addition to that, there was about five people out of the 50 or 60 that would turn up that I knew had no business or were retired or had a job that there was absolutely no reason for them to be there. And I started thinking, why are they there? What's their reason for paying $150 a year to join this business club, the business group? And it was belonging. It just, they wanted to be a part of something. They got to turn up and be a part and say, I'm a member of Chamber of Commerce. And I thought, well, surely we can do that without the business. What if we just start an event where people can turn up there's no, you know, there's nothing you have to talk about. There's no agenda whatsoever. The rules are very simple, and I don't know how you go with language on this, but I'll do my best for you. We've got two rules for tribe. First rule of tribe is you must come along and talk to people you don't know. Don't sit in your clique. That's so, you know, if you see someone who's there by themselves, you, you've got to invite them over and, and get them involved. And I spend a lot of time introducing people on that as well. And our second rule is we have a strict no dickhead policy. 
I've never had to use it. I am also exempt because I'm the founder, so I get away with it. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. Like it's and it's those we haven't done any more than that. Like it's get together, sit down, talk to people, enjoy, make friends, make partnerships. I mean, we've had amazing things come out of it. We have look once a month. We have what we call tribe gathering, and that is at a hotel because people like to have a drink, and hotels are very well suited to a large group of people gathering. So that's why we did that. So it's once a month goes from about 5.30 to about 8.30 sometimes. We have another uh, thing we do called family gathering. That's on a beach on a Sunday morning between sort of 9.30 and 11.30. The reason for that was that when my kids were young, I felt like my wife and I got isolated. You don't go out, you don't do much because it's just a bit of a pain in the bum. So you miss adult conversation a lot. So we created that. Every single Friday at 10 o'clock in the morning, we go to a cafe in Redcliffe and just catch up for a coffee. Sometimes we get a dozen there, sometimes we get 30 there. Like, it's just whatever happens on the day. And we have tribe trivia as well. Like, we just do, we have tribe elders where we go and visit an old person's home because 40% of old people in homes don't get a visitor. That's disgusting. Like, I can't have that. And we've got other people out there that have got no purpose and nothing to do. So it's a ridiculous situation. Mm. So all these things are all about opportunity. It's nothing more than that. If people turn up and don't talk to anyone, well, they miss their opportunity. If people don't turn up, they miss their opportunity. If they turn up and take it, it can change their life, but a lot of lives can change from it. Wow, amazing. I just love the simplicity of that because you're right. You know, a lot of programs or things like that start out with, we're going to go global, let's connect everybody everywhere. And then it becomes all about the infrastructure and the administration and the, you know, the support that's required to make that happen. But I love that you're doing that at a really grassroots local level. And I'm sure that that will also spread as more and more people want to do the same thing in their own communities well bureaucracy kill, kills me kate so i'm not going to stay away from it as much as possible i mean sometimes it's necessary but yeah it's just keep it simple we used to do this stuff we used to talk to our neighbors we used to look after each other and, and we can do it again it's not hard. so i want to hear about your other two projects as well but you say bureaucracy kills you and yet i hear on the grapevine that you are running for council in the next election so talk to me a little bit about What's inspired you to do that? Yeah, my dislike of bureaucracy is one of them. I can tell you that. So, but anyway, that's that's one of the things that's been scary about it. I'm going into the machine, but you know, you can you can only do the best you can do. But once again, positive change. I mean, I feel that politics in this country is well. I'm, I'm independent as well, so I, find, I feel the parties have kind of lost their way, and they'd rather just throw stones at the other group than actually achieve something. I think. We lack leadership. I think people in, in society tend to hate politicians but then want them to act as politicians and that they, they've got to recognise that and see that. But look, I want to make positive change. I live in a beautiful division here in um, in the Redcliffe Division. I was sitting here, we've got all this opportunity. We live on the water. We're 25 minutes from the airport near the capital city and we've got 8.9% unemployment in employable people. That's ridiculous. Like our, the national average is 5.3%. There's ways we can do that. And employment's a very important thing to me. We'll talk about employment shortly. But, but employment is not just people earning money because that's what everyone thinks it is. But employment is purpose. And having purpose in your life is, it's just your life. It's, it's the most fantastic thing. I mean, you see, you see people retire and they die a couple of years later and that's a lot of the time because they lost their purpose. I mean, young people today... We, you know, tell them off for staying in their rooms and, and, you know, not going out, not doing this. But 
we've sort of made all these rules now that they can then all ends do anything that we're allowed to do anyway and they're struggling to find purpose because they if you want employment, for instance, you have to go through this huge mechanism known as, it used to be called a job network, I think it's called Job Active now, and they're all judged by a white piece of paper, a resume, that's written by someone else that tells you nothing about what they are. And all these things can be changed with leadership. I don't want to go into a council situation and be a box ticker. I don't want to sit there and just blow my own trumpet on ideas that are already done. I want to lead. I want to look forward to the future and see where we can go with this fine community and make it all it can be. So, yeah, it's nerve-wracking. Don't worry, I've never done this before. I've, you know, I've said plenty of times I didn't want to do it. But you can't sit in the grandstand and throw rocks at the players. You know, you've got to get in the game and have a go yourself and see what it's really like. And I think I, that's why I'm doing it, okay? I can't wait to see how that unfolds for you. I'm in your electorate, but not in your division, which I'm quite disappointed about. But I'm certainly, there is no question that at all levels in our country at the moment and in many countries, there is a real lack of visionary leadership. And I think that's something that you have in spades. So I'm certainly looking forward to, I would love to have you sitting in our council. <laughs> oh, that's very good of you. I appreciate it. So tell us about EmployMeet and your approach to employment, because that's a really innovative program too. Okay, it is, it is innovative and it's not. That's the funny thing, and I'll tell you in one second. But okay, I was done some work with job seekers, and what I do with them is I basically have a chat to them and say, tell them that, you know, it's not... The world's not all bad. It's not all awful. You've got to work hard. Like, it is a competition and you need to be in front of the game. And we give them some skills on having conversations. I don't do resumes. I don't think I can't stand our resume-based employment method at the moment, but it's, it's a part of what we do. But what I noticed, though, going to these kids, like, for instance, the first week I ever did it, and this is mostly young people, I spoke to 65 people. Now, out of that 65, 12 of them, were absolute belters. Like they should have had work then. And a dozen of them will probably have, you know, a very little interest in working and that's hard to deal with. And there's a lot of grey area in the middle that will do it if they can and, and whatever. But these twelve were sitting there and it was doing my heading. And what I realised is that the old adage of, you know, life is who you know, it, it still stands true. And these kids don't know anyone because they're not in a good area to be able to do that, some of them. In addition to that, we used to have, and this is what I say about it, not necessarily being innovative, but we used to, you know, used to go to footy games all together and people would talk. And, like, I got my first job from my guardian who knew a guy who wanted someone to sweep the floor of his panel beating business. So that's how I got a job. My next job at a service station was because those two guys knew another guy that owned a servo. Then I got a job in Australia. But even getting into the cops... I knew a friend of mine's dad was a superintendent and he sort of nudged me in the right direction. We don't do that anymore. And I don't know why we don't do that. These poor kids are running around doing their best, putting out 20 resumes a month, never to be seen, never getting an interview because they've got a cert to pull their pants up or something that doesn't make any difference to anyone. But they're beautiful people and they'd be fantastic workers. But because we run on this system of purely resumes, then they never get met. No one ever sees them, and it's, it's criminal. It's a terrible thing. So what I did with employment, it's very similar, again, to drive. I mean, you know, I don't change things too much, but I set up, the first one I did, I set up a day, like a 10.30 morning uh, invite to job seekers and employee searchers. I asked them all to get together, and I said, we'll provide, you know, sandwiches and coffee. You guys come together and talk. Don't interview. Don't, I, kids, I don't want you bringing a resume. Okay, because that's not what you're about. You're about you. This is what it's about. 
um, prospective employers, don't ask them what they want to do for the rest of their life because I'm 46 and I don't know and it's a stupid question to ask. Just talk to them. See if you like them. And what happens when somebody likes someone in that situation is they either consider employing them because that's what you work on primarily or the other side of things, if you're a facilitator like me, because I, I don't have any staff at this point, I know people. So I can say to them, how about you go see John down the road? I think he's got a position as a dishy. Tell him I sent you. And these sort of things come from that. And all on that first day, we got about 78 people turn up. And we got three or four jobs out of it. And it was brilliant. And we've had four set, four um, sessions out since. That and me helping a little bit. We've got about 40 people jobs. And plenty of interviews aside from that. And it's just knowing people. It's so bloody simple. But we all think that it's got to be done through the computer. I love the internet. My phone is my office. But you've got to get off it and talk to people sometimes. It's You've got to do it differently. You've got to do it like we used to do it more. So, look. There is another part of employment as well, because look, we are a digital world and no one can deny that. But once again, though, what we've got to do is avoid people just being judged on a blank resume. And they're boring. If you've ever seen them, like you put a job out on Seek for a receptionist, you get 250 resumes in, and then you've got to wade through them and you know, discard them because of spelling mistakes or grammar or because you don't like their font. Like It's ridiculous. So we've created employment.com, which is, isn't properly up and running yet because I've got to try and get it all funded but what it is it's an employment site that an employer goes to if they're looking for staff but instead of putting an ad up they headhunt so what happens you've got to think of this like a a dating app for employment that's about the best way i can think of it you go into employment.com you put your parameters in you say i want them to live on the recliff niche show like them between 17 and 21 i'd like them to have some hospitality experience whatever it is and it goes now all these people turn up that are in within your parameters and then you can sit there and click on their little site they've got there their private site and you can watch a video under a minute of them having a talk to the camera now it's not easy for these guys to do it, which is funny though, because they Snapchat all day, but they hate doing a video about employment. But it's what it does, it gives you an opportunity to hear them speak, gives you an opportunity to see how they present themselves. You can hear what I normally say to them to say is give your name, where you live, what you like doing on a weekend and what sort of work you'd like to do. Just that simple. But out of that, they get seen. That's an opportunity for someone to see them and meet them, hence employ meet, meet them as best possible. No, it's not face to face in a handshake but it's not it's the best option i've got aside from that what it does on the other side of things too though for an employer you're not wasting 500 bucks with a ccad okay 250 bucks a year it is to get on employment at the moment as an employer you can use as many times you like we don't care but what it does is it also saves you how much time going through resumes and how much time going through interviews of people that you've never seen you've already seen these people you've heard them you've seen them you know, it just works a lot better than I think it could have in the past. We've got to spread the word. Creating cultural change is always difficult. So that's a bit of a struggle. We're working on it. We want to do things differently. Fantastic. And then round it out with letting us know about your third project. How you even find time in the day to do all of these things is astounding. You're clearly a highly effective human. But talk to us about your latest project, the Guardian app. Yeah, I guess on those other things, I've got good people around me and that's always helpful. So, yeah. mm. But yes, yeah, so I don't like sitting around. I don't do much Netflixing, that's for sure. So, okay, Guardian App. Guardian App came about, everyone's had a bad breakup, I'd imagine. Um, I know I have and things can get a little bit 
out of control with emotions and particularly I think texting is a, a difficult thing. Um, you message people, you text them. Texts are easily misconstrued and can escalate really quickly into something that it wasn't meant to be. Um, I was in October sitting there with a friend of mine having a chat to her and her phone was going berserk. And she's not very old, she's a lot younger than me. But her phone was going nuts and I said, do you need to get that? And she said, oh, no, it's just my ex. I was rude enough as usual to ask, if I could, what are they saying? What are you doing? And it was just a whole heap of really nasty and disgusting abuse about what sort of mother she was and you don't want to go into too much, but it was just awful. And it was upsetting her and it always does, of course. But the problem is she can't block him because she's got to talk to him about shared custody. You've got to discuss these things in it. And everyone says, I'll discuss them that way. But it doesn't happen that way so often. I went home and thought, how can we fix that? There's got to be a way of doing that. So we, after the while, a mate of mine and I created what we've called the Guardian Project. Guardian Project is an app, which is a simple messaging app. So we're not, you know, creating anything brand new there. It's a messaging app. But it's a messaging app that blocks about 500 abusive words and phrases at the moment. So if I send through something inappropriate, it'll come up a little warning on the screen. It'll come up and say, this message has not been delivered and has been deemed inappropriate. In addition to that, it's the only, we haven't got it quite right on this yet, but it'll be saved in the background. So for, if it's ever needed for future evidence, we can present that. Uh, now, the other side of it too is the other person, the receiver of this abusive message, never sees a message. They never know anything's happened. They don't see any, there's no notification to say, oh, we've blocked a message for you. How wonderful are we? Because we don't want them to get triggered. Like, your anxiety is hard enough when you're in a situation like that. You don't want to be sitting there getting 10 notifications about what he's trying to say to you when you know you've got to pick up kids next day. So nothing comes through at all. In addition to that, you can't send photos. So they can't make up something like that. And you can't, all emojis are blocked as well. It is a simple messaging service. The only thing you've got to do, you have to block them off Facebook, Instagram, your email, your phone, get rid of all those opportunities for someone to speak to you and just use Guardian Project. That will alleviate a lot of the, I think, unnecessary escalation and, you know, the violence that can occur afterwards. We're having a woman killed one a day in Australia at the moment. It's disgusting. So... We've got to try and alleviate that in some way, shape, and form. This is really simple, and it's, it's not you know it's not going to change everything in the world. But I tell you what, if it stops a fair bit of angst for some people because they can't send or receive messages that are inappropriate, well, I think it's gone a long way to being a good thing. Absolutely, and certainly when you put the children first, having you know de-escalation of emotions in parents can only be good for the children. A hundred percent, like. And I don't, look, I was in a situation where it was difficult in that regard and, and it just gets out of hand and no, no party wants it. Like, it's not like you well, I mean, some maybe do, but, you know, certainly I never wanted anything, and, but you get wound up in the moment and that's, you know, you might say something you shouldn't. Well, this gives you an opportunity never to do that. Mm. And I think most of the time, yes, there'll be some people that will fuse and they'll do everything to get around and do whatever. Well, that's up to them. I, you know, I, you can't help everyone, but for two good people that, are going through a difficult time together that is full of angst and, and you know, I don't know, conflict, I guess. Well, it's a pretty good option. And I, I like to think that two couple that understood that that was sort of the way they were going would be happy to use that and, and alleviate a lot of drama for themselves. Mm, and it'll be interesting to see as that evolves too. I imagine some of the services that are available in this space around mediation and, and helping 
families would be really interested in that as a tool to recommend as well. That's my hope. I'm actually doing that outside. Tribe and employees are currently, we're full charity and do not-for-profit and all sort of stuff, but Guardian's not at the moment because I've got to earn a living at some point in time. But um, yeah, so, but it's still something with you it's worthwhile. It's going to be a $1.99 a month, go your hardest. And I mean, if you want to put two bucks a month to have an end to that drama is a pretty cool thing, I think. But yeah, look, we're excited about it. We hope it can do some wonderful things. And, you know, we're, you know, here to, you know, fix the world as best we can. Wonderful. So Ryan, we always ask, because this podcast is very much about that kind of intersection between humanity and technology. And obviously with the three main projects and with you running for council, technology, you know, all of that is about connection. It's about being of service. It's about how we communicate and technology obviously plays a role in that. And you're utilizing that from an app perspective and, you know, online matching and websites. But talk to me a bit more about technology and the role that plays in your life and the pros and cons of that maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I love tech. As I said, my phone is my office. But the mistake we've made with, I think, the massive increase in, in technology in our daily lives recently is that we thought it was the be all and end all. And I think we thought, right, this will fix everything. We can put all our employment online. We can have 3,000 friends on Facebook, which means everyone loves us, which just is not true. You know, we have, you know, we send, like, we text, we don't call. We do, and which I'm guilty of sometimes, to be honest. But, like, you know, there's all these ways that we can connect, but we don't connect anymore. I think that we have inadvertently made the, the internet and technology our lives, but we're not you know, a brain sitting in a glass jar connected to some cords. We're, we are people and we are social beings. If we don't come out from behind our technology and engage with each other and actually form relationships like we've been doing for thousands of years, then you are going to be lacking. People are going to become uh, indoctrinated easily, I think. I think you know there's going to be conflict between groups like you know you sit there and watch enough facebook or you watch one single even if you watch one single channel on tv all the time you can soon you know be told it's a left wing or a right wing world or whatever it is and it's not it's a gray area in the middle that's how it all works but we have to be careful that we don't lose our humanity through our technology and i think we've been a little bit guilty of that but in saying that technology is a tool it's just not everything it's a tool absolutely agree and i think in all of those examples that we've talked about, it's a fabulous way to introduce and connect. But even when we talk about social media from a marketing perspective, you know, everything I'm talking about now is hyper-personalization. How do you use those tools to connect with that potential customer or your customers, but then to absolutely focus on that relationship and the offline elements of that as well? Yeah, I mean, I do on my, on Tribe, and but also now in this campaign for council, I I do a lot of videos. I ask for input from people. I love like you interviewing me today is great. Like I love to have a good exchange of ideas with the person, and it's fantastic. I mean, technology is obviously a big part to play in that with your your video or your recording, and then your upload to internet and all sorts of stuff. But one of the parts of that I guess is I hope people get to sort of get a feel of who I am before they you know get into the whole hype of the things that are going on you know around me sometimes i guess because you know it's always good to know who the person is behind it all i think and it is all just me i haven't got anyone i mean i've got helpers in tribe and and employment and, and what have you but you know i want people to get to know me and 
if we can't all do it face to face around a coffee or a beer, which is the best time to do it, well, let's do it here. But it is just a tool. That's all it is. We can't treat it as everything. Hmm, absolutely. So as we wrap up, I always ask what your one piece of advice to other change makers and innovators about how to inspire other people to take action. You're clearly really well versed at doing that in your own life. So what would you say to others who are wanting to do something to make a difference? I'll tell you a story. This is interesting. I wanted to do tribe. I didn't know it was cold yet or whatever it was, but I wanted to create something. And you've always got naysayers. You've always got people saying, oh, look, like I'd, I'd had Ryan Elson commercial had been running for 11 years, I think. Made a pretty reasonable living out of doing real estate. Didn't like it, but I could earn money out of it, so it was fine. I was really confused. I rocked up to a, an event, and we have, we have some great events in this region. And it was an Innovate Moreton Bay event or you know a business event sort of thing. Anyway, up on stage were four of you know considered some of the best entrepreneurs in Australia. And they were all talking about things they had done. And then they were talking about how to, you know, how to get on and do things. And anyway, the same question you just asked was asked to the board there. And what it was, they said, they said basically, what can one piece of advice, your last question for today, one piece of advice that you could give for budding entrepreneurs, what would it be? And one guy on the end there raised his microphone to his mouth and he said, just fucking do it. <laughs> and that struck me in the face like a slap. And I went out and I just did it. And look, sometimes it doesn't work. Things fail. I've failed heaps. All good entrepreneurs have failed heaps. I'm not saying I'm a good one. I'm just am one. But just do it. If you walk into a place and, and you know talk to people and give them an idea on how to do stuff, you might get a success. You might get some success and then it builds. But you just got to do it. You got to keep walking forwards all the time in life. And it's in business, in grief, in family, in, in you know financial, whatever it is, walk forward. And just do it. Like if you've got an idea and you want to change the world, well, don't sit around thinking about it because I'll tell you what, regret tastes disgusting. Mm. And my, just in closing, I guess, Kate, like people ask me why I do these things and ask me why I get involved in these things. And this is the truth. Of it. This is as truth as I can get. It's we all get a last conscious breath in our lives. We all have that last one where we know we're here and we know what's going on. And I just want to be able to go, geez, Rhino, you had a fair crack, mate. You did your best. And if I get that, I'll be happy. If I don't do my best and I don't try my hardest, I won't get it. And I don't want to end out like that. Absolutely. Some fabulous words of wisdom there. Thank you so much, Ryan, for your time today. I really am very much looking forward to seeing how these projects continue to unfold. There's a whole lot of people that have popped into my head that I want to introduce you to, which I'm going to do. <laughs> Go for it. Um, I am also a connector. And yes, good luck with running for council. I know that our electorate and your division in particular would be very lucky to have you there. Well, so thank, thank you, very you much. so I much for your time. Absolute pleasure, Kate. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on the Social Lights podcast produced by Social Mediology. You can connect with us on Facebook at Social Lights Podcast and you can find today's show notes and more episodes at socialmediology.com.au forward slash social lights. Please subscribe in your favourite podcast platform to receive future episodes and share with your tribe to inspire others to action.